Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds in the studio on a Thursday morning. So the Chiefs up until recently had a pretty good camp as far as nobody getting hurt, no one having any issues. Wouldn't you know it, the one that was to return to the team after battling the front line of the pandemic, LDT, is looking like he might be out for a little bit. Yeah, he's one of the National Football League's honorees for being a citizen, top citizen, and uh, I'm right with him. He opted out last year. This is Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif of the Kansas City Chiefs, big offensive lineman. Opted out last year. He is a practicing physician, and he went back home to Canada to help with the patients who are suffering from COVID-19 and help with their cure, and, and that's hugely commendable. Well, he's seen a waning of the disease, so to speak, and he decided to come back and play pro football, which is fine. Well, he <laughs> needs to go to the book of Luke, if I remember correctly, and there's a passage in there that says, Physician, heal thyself. He has a broken hand or a broken bone in his hand that's going to keep him out probably for a month, month and a half. Now, he says, I can put a big wrapping around that, a big bandage, and continue to play, but I'm not so sure he can He knows he's the professional offensive lineman. But when you're using your hands, which they do, that's going to be a little dicey. But we'll see what happens. Good player, great player, as a matter of fact. Uh, But it looks as though Duvernay-Tardif may be gone for about a month. It's really, really tough because, yes, you get a little handsy when you play on the line. And if you can't use one, it's going to be tough. That's unfortunate, but hopefully he'll be back sooner than later. Um, there was a former Mizzou Tiger that was in the NFL, but it uh, doesn't look like they're coming back. Huh? This guy is star-crossed. Alden Smith, he's a tremendous player. He was, well, the first-round draft choice of the San Francisco 49ers back in 2011. Great start at Mizzou, and he was cut yesterday by the Seattle Seahawks, not because of his talent or lack of, but rather because of his off-field antics. He was arrested and charged with second-degree battery in New Orleans about Oh, two or three months ago, and apparently the evidence is pretty overwhelming. He's going to have a hearing next week, it is, and the Seahawks said we do not need this problem, and it's not the first time. Smith has had a load of problems with the 49ers and the Raiders and other teams with whom he played. So look, don't need that. Need to concentrate on football, so they let him go, and he may not might be back. Yeah, I don't see anyone jumping out to pick him up, but you never know. Raiders might take him back. <laughs> um, very stiff penalty to Baylor football, in my opinion, but uh, it's kind of an interesting situation. It isn't is it? very much so. Baylor. This is a, a whole episode that occurred about five, six years ago, and Baylor had this overwhelming and horrific sex scandal that football players who were raping co-eds and doing all sorts of really evil things down there, and they uh, they ran afoul of the feds. The president of the university got fired over all of this. Well, the NCAA yesterday hit Baylor with a four-year probation, but it wasn't because of those crimes. It was because of illegal recruiting and impermissible benefits to some of the players. It had really nothing to do with the sex scandal because... The NCAA doesn't have any jurisdiction over that, and they knew that all along. These are federal crimes. That's where the feds come in and arrest individuals and so forth and so on. So the NCAA's four-year probation has nothing to do with that. It's illegal recruiting. Do you think it uh, is kind of their way of, you know, how sometimes people get off on murder, but they're like, we still got you with burglary, so you're at least you're going to serve five. It's, it's what the in the legal profession is called wrongful death. 
or the wrongful something or other, whatever they call. It. That's how they got O.J. Simpson. Yeah, that's how they got. God, well, it's it <laughs> blows my mind. Uh, we're talking about a Christian university here with, uh, I well, mean, uh, one of the biggest in the country. It's the cornerstone of the Southern Baptist faith. Yeah, so that's a really, really, really bad situation coming out of a school like that. So earlier this week, after the Cardinals got their first win against the Pirates, I said. You got problems if you don't win one game. You responded with, you got problems if you don't take the whole series. Well, I guess they were listening, Ned. They were. Uh, they weren't. But <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> you knew they were going to win last night because Adam Wainwright's on the hill. And in all honesty, the Pittsburgh Pirates are not a major league team. They're about a triple or maybe double A baseball team. And Wainwright is among the best pitchers in baseball. And he is a pitcher. He is not a thrower. He nibbled the corners. I think he struck out eight or nine. Went the distance. That's the third time this year that Adam Wainwright has pitched a complete game. Wow. Three times this year? Hey, gang, 25 years ago, they had 28 and 30 complete games a year. It's an altogether different philosophical approach, but be that as it may, he pitched the uh, the route and gets the victory, and the Cardinals come away with a 4 nothing win on a two-hitter. That's really very, very good baseball. But again, it's Pittsburgh, and you better sweep them. They play again late this morning, early this afternoon in Pittsburgh, and the Cardinals better win that one, too. Then they have the Kansas City Royals coming up this weekend in KC. And I'll tell you what, the way KC plays, that may be an altogether different story. Kansas City is better than Pittsburgh. Oh, they definitely are. But wait a minute, you're telling me Schilt didn't pull uh, Wayno out at in six? I don't think he dared go out to the mound. <laughs> at, least he, at least someone's listening. Uh, so, uh, man, the Royals just could not catch a break. Well, they, they kind of did, but they had that incredible game one in the series against the Yankees. They get the revenge in game two, but then yesterday, New York got theirs. They did. Yankees come away with a win, 5-2. Those teams play again. This is, this is an odd Yankees team. They have all, seemingly anyway, all the talent in the world out there, and yet they can't seem to put together any streak of consistency. The Royals, I'm telling you folks, the Royals have a very nice, young, and -and up-and-coming team. No, they aren't great. Yes, they do need pitching, but they can play, and they can give teams a lot of trouble. Well, they started to yesterday, and the Yankees put the kibosh on them and, and put it down. Luke Voigt, the former Missouri State Bear, hey, he's hitting the ball a ton. Now that Anthony Rizzo, who the Yankees got from the Cubs last week, is out because of COVID, Boyd is back in there and he's hitting very well. He's an interesting story. Be anxious to see what happens to him during the winter if Anthony Rizzo does not re-sign with the Yankees. But nonetheless, Yankees get the win over the Royals and New York continues on their trek to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Also in baseball today was one of the darkest days in history. Let's remind me about the bad news, Ned. It was August the 12th, 1994, 27 years ago today, that Major League Baseball players and owners decided to disagree. Everybody shut down the game, and it shut down for the remainder of the year, and probably would be still shut down had not the federal judge decided to invoke an injunction and end it all the following spring and get the beginning back on uh, back on track again. But yeah, it was this day, 1994, they all walked out. World Series canceled for only the second time in history. It was a brutally dark day. How pissed off were you that day? Very. <laughs> and still am. And still am because it, it never fully recovered from that. 
I think there is still some some measure of disgruntlement with the game, and you still have fans who say, I'm not going back to this. Now, that's beginning to wane, of course, and will if a season goes on. But point is, they have to discuss things again on starting on December 1st. That's when the contract dissolves, the current contract, which was established back then. So, if they, if there's any kind of and any kind of disagreements, anything along those lines, uh, and they shut it down, that is very, very bad for both sides. Absolutely. Hopefully, if anything, one of the few positive things came out of the pandemic is that these players and owners see the writing on the wall and say, look, we can't afford to take another year off. Uh, Mike, they do see the handwriting on the wall. I think everybody agrees with that. We don't want to do that. It's the lawyers and the negotiators who don't play the game... Well, we need this and we need that. Come on, boys. (laughs) I once heard a a theory of how you could stop all this. You shut them in a room about the size of this studio right here. This is pretty crude now. And you make them eat baked beans. They'll solve it in a hurry. (laughs) (laughs) Ned coming up with all kinds of forms of punishment today on sports. Thank you so much for coming in.